there, listeners. Are you tired of clogged arteries, sluggish digestion, and feelings of malaise you get from those other diet-oriented radio shows? My name is Derek Goodwin, and I've got a proven and tasty cure for your psychic indigestion. Vegan Radio! This is Vegan Radio co-host Megan Shackleford. Vegan Radio is a program devoted to the issues of personal choice that affect us all in an interconnected world. From the food we eat, to the cars we drive, to the information we consume, Vegan Radio seeks to enlighten and enliven the busy intersection where the personal and the political collide. We bring you the voices, ideas, and experiences of the people who work within and take on. The systems that decide the quality of the soil, the composition of our air, the nutrition in our food, and the health of the people we love. We're bringing you interviews, discussion, debate, performances, and more. And we're taking it all off for the Naked News. Remember, you are what you eat. Be more. Join me, Derek Goodwin. And me, Megan Shackelford. For Vegan Radio. Right here on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, WXOJLP, Northampton. And on the web at www.veganradio.com. Turn it up. Vegan Vegan Radio. But first, the Naked News. Hey, this is Derek Goodwin, and we're here with the Naked News. Uh, we're totally naked, and uh, it's a little cold in the <laughs> studio today, but we're going to persevere so we can bring you the latest stories. Uh, what do we got today, Megs? We got Trader Joe's has agreed to purchase only cage-free eggs for its own brand of eggs, which are sold in more than 200 stores nationwide. That's an estimated 380,000 laying hens who provide more than 100 million Trader Joe's brand eggs sold each year. 380,000 laying hens will be spared lives of suffering in tiny battery cages. Trader Joe's has agreed that within three months, all Trader Joe's brand eggs will be converted to cage-free eggs, and any egg promotions by Trader Joe's will be devoted solely to cage-free egg sales. So that's just Trader Joe brand. So if, if our listeners are going to Trader Joe's, you should... Only buy only purchase Trader, Trader Joe, Joe brand. brand. Don't buy any other eggs that they sell. With these actions, Trader Joe's has taken a positive step that will have a meaningful effect on animal welfare. By converting its store brand eggs to cage-free, the company will help reduce the number of birds confined in cruel battery cages. While Trader Joe's did stop short of adopting a total cage-free egg policy, the company proved to us that it is serious about improving the lives of laying hens. Well, they were getting serious flack from a lot of activists. I think they're true more concerned about their bottom line but they caved in good for trader joe's and even better for the chickens and speaking of chickens and turkeys this thanksgiving you can make a change for the better by saving a turkey instead of eating one the national animal rights organization farm sanctuary near and dear to our heart has rescued hundreds of turkeys and helped thousands of people make conscious decisions to choose a cruelty-free thanksgiving tradition through their website, adoptaturkey.org, people can choose to adopt one of several turkeys by making a donation that will help pay for the bird's care. That's awesome. Yeah, for just $20, you can receive a photo and an adoption certificate of your special turkey and a year's subscription to Farm Sanctuary's quarterly newsletter. And Megan and I have done this before for our nieces and nephews. It's a great... Uh present to give the kids they, it is they little, get a little kids love to have like a picture of their turkey they get really excited about yeah, it and, and they want to visit farm sanctuary they all have little funny names to the turkeys <laughs> <laughs> they do oh. um so that again that's um adopt turkey 
adoptatury.org. A-D-O-P-T-A-T-U-R-K-E-Y dot org. For the latest recipes, turkey rescue stories, literature, and resources to help you plan a vegetarian Thanksgiving, go to this website. We will be featuring Farm Sanctuary on our next show, which will air the day before Thanksgiving. Check out our show notes for links to this and other resources at www.veganradio.com. What else we got going on? Well, we got a story in Braintree, Massachusetts. Um, Braintree will allow shotgun-wielding hunters onto the Braintree golf course between December 16th and January 7th. Doesn't sound too smart for a town named Braintree. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Also from January 15th to February 16th. Um, and the that, golfers were bad enough to begin with, and then they're letting <laughs> the hunters out there. Jeez. So this will allow them to take a shot at cutting back the geese population. Oh. The hunt will take place only during daylight hours and only on certain parts of the golf course, away from homes. The golf course became inundated with the fowl and their fowl droppings this year, which cake shoes and clubs and do little to help grass Sounds grow. Sounds like something's a fowl in brain tree. Brain trees quote burden is part of a trend throughout massachusetts where the resident canada goose population continues to boom the state division of fisheries and wildlife estimates the goose population to be 40,000 up from 38,000 in 1997 and 11,000 in 1983 them geese be getting it on (laughs) (laughs) to some degree the commonwealth can be blamed for this raging goose boom a translocation project carried out by mass wildlife in the 1960s and 70s moved Canada geese from the coast to central and western Massachusetts. A mass wildlife biologist was quoted saying, people thought it would be a cool thing to do. Sounds real cool. <laughs> Yo, dudes, let's bring them geese out here. They were all stoned back then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially kinda the like, wildlife people. Kind of like some other people I know, too. Oh, yeah? Um, cool. <laughs> Golf course superintendent Darren Brown said that the daily count of Canada geese on the course ranges from 100 to 400. He has a specially trained border collie to chase away the geese, but they return. While migratory Canada geese are protected under federal law, resident geese, like those at Braintree's golf course, can be hunted. The state has lengthened the hunting seasons, resulting in stabilized populations in the central and western parts of the state. Stabilize this, mofo. (laughs) Canada geese have between 8 to 12 babies per female per year, Brown said. With an estimated production of one to three pounds of droppings per goose per day, the impact is huge. It's a lot of goose poop. Yeah, I wonder how many pounds humans have a day. Mm, I'm sure vegans have more than those (laughs) clogged up meat eaters. Much more. (laughs) Ellen Tessinari, co-chairman of the Green Committee of the Plymouth Country Club, wrote in to the opinion page of the Patriot Ledger with an environmentally friendly way to control the geese. He said that the Plymouth Country Club has, has had experienced the same problem that Braintree Municipal Golf Course is now confronted with, but on a smaller scale. The Plymouth Club is one of the few courses in the state who have been actually able to acquire the USGA National Audubon Sanctuary recognition, and thus chosen a more environmentally appealing approach to our wildfowl problem. Their superintendent purchased several lifelike coyote decoys that were placed in favorite locations of the Canadian geese and moved them on a daily basis. Tessinari said that although the method is not 100% effective, the problem is now hardly noticeable, and the neighbors and members are happy that not a shot is fired. 
So now that's you using just, your brain. It, you use your head, take a I little mean, brain power. I mean, brains don't grow on trees, but, you know. I know. You think, you know, they could use a little brain power and brain tree. I don't know. I think they got, like, hunters running the uh, town up there. That's what's going on. Yeah. I think so. They want to have some goose for dinner. <laughs> it's just an excuse. An excuse hunters to and kill golfers. the goose. Yeah. You got to watch them. What's next, Maggie? We have a story about James Bond. You see, Mr. Bond, I always thought I liked animals. And I discovered that I like killing people even more. That's a stir, not shaken. That was right. Perfect. Cheers. Cheers. Live twice, Mr. Bond. I hear that island full of beautiful women. No men allowed. Hmm. Sexual discrimination. I'll definitely have to pay it a visit. License to kill, but Sir Roger Moore is still a deadly agent when it comes to fighting for animals. I'll bet he is, Money Penny. Sir. <laughs> You're such a flatterer, James. Oh, Money Penny, you know there never has been and there never will be anybody but you. Sir Roger has teamed up with People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals by narrating a video in uh, where he points out that foie gras is a product of immense suffering. Recorded near his home in Monaco, Sir Roger begins by sharing with viewers his admiration for ducks and geese. Hello, I'm Roger Moore for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals with an important message about foie gras. Anyone who has ever seen ducks and geese skimming across a lake in a graceful landing probably knows that these energetic birds are delighted to be alive. They are interesting individuals with distinct personalities who, in the wild, recognize and develop committed, caring relationships with one another. They are meticulously clean and even keep their nests free of debris. Ducks are natural athletes who fly hundreds of miles each year and fly as fast as 60 miles per hour. But on today's foie gras farms, ducks and geese are denied their every desire. They will never even see a lake or stream, never breathe fresh air or feel sun on their backs and never fly at all. Foie gras, French for fatty liver, mmm, tasty, is mm. produced by cramming metal pipes down the throats of ducks and geese and force feeding them to the point that their livers become painfully diseased and enlarged, and sometimes their organs rupture. Investigations into <laughs> foie gras farms in the United States and Europe have all revealed the really same funny. thing. Ducks and geese on foie gras farms are confined to tiny crates and cages that are often so small that the birds can't spread a single wing. They're packed inside dark, filthy sheds, where they live surrounded by their own waste, without access to so much as a blade of grass or a breath of fresh air. Imagine 
Having pipes jammed down your throat and food pumped directly into your stomach repeatedly so that you felt as if you might explode. This is what young ducks and geese endure every day solely to satisfy the demand for foie gras. An undercover investigation found one farm where the ducks had bloody beaks, their wings were twisted together, they were jammed into wire cages. Um, these foie gras farms are so cruel that force-feeding birds has been banned in many countries like Israel, Switzerland, and the UK. Also in 2004, California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger signed a bill outlawing both the production and the sale of foie gras in California. Foie but gras is for girly man. But still, many restaurants are still serving this cruel product. It's not a tumor, it's foie gras. Copies of Sir Roger's video have been sent to chefs still using foie gras. In response, the French Parliament has declared foie gras a national institution in the face of what it's it sees institution. as a growing Anglo-Saxon plot against the prized we duck like and goose liver pate. James, I need you. So does England. Producers of the delicacy have, have been enraged by the campaign. So closely is more associated with his 007 role that the French see his appearance on the front line of the pate wars as part of a British plot to undermine French agriculture. 007 triple X. Vaughn, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. The British want to stop our agricultural subsidies, said Bernard Courtois, a foie gras merchant from Pau in southwestern France. Well, you Referring can trust him. Referring to Tony Blair's calls for reforms of the European Union's common agricultural policy. And now it seems they are deploying Agent 007 against our foie gras. Every stone brought from France. Cute, isn't it? Magnificent. Finally by the Eiffel Tower as well. He did, but the French government refused him an export permit. The French response has been swift. The lower house of parliament unanimously passed a bill last week declaring that foie gras was, quote, part of the cultural and gastronomic patrimony protected in France. Issues! Sounds like they got <laughs> some problems in France. Some major issues going on. Many restaurants continue to serve this horribly cruel product. Please join me and countless kind people everywhere by never eating foie gras and by telling your friends, your relatives, and restaurant owners that foie gras is a disease, not a delicacy. You're listening to Vegan Radio on WXOJLP Northampton and on the web at www.veganradio.com. And now for the local Western Massachusetts news report, we have Megan Shackelford. Exciting news for Northamptonites. Can you start over? <laughs> I dare get it together. I got it together, baby. Why would sometimes belching is funny? No, it's, it's not funny sometimes. No, it's not funny. Some people appreciate that. Derek, nobody wants to hear you belching. We're competing with Howard Stern here. We got Derek. Belch. <laughs> oh my God, is that what's Vegan going Radio, on? clearing the air and your colon since 2005. And we're still naked, and this is still the news, and. Uh, now we're going to talk about some local events going on. We have an exciting local event um, today at 7 p.m. in the Coolidge Museum at the Forbes Library on the Smith campus. Again, that's 7 p.m. Um, there is a film being shown, Peaceable Kingdom. Great film. Great film. Um, 
Imagine awakening one day to realize that the work you were trained to do since birth, the life you'd always imagined you'd lead, and the very values that had been taught in your family for generations, went against the deepest part of your being. This film is about a fourth-generation Montana cattle rancher who experiences an epiphany during a health crisis and resolves to, to devote his life to undoing the damage done by his agribusiness empire. It's also about a Michigan beef farmer whose childhood wounds are healed by the unexpected affection of a rescued cow at an animal sanctuary. And it's about a young couple who stumble upon a massive injustice hidden away by the factory farming industry and find they can't turn away even though they can only help one animal at a time. In this film, Peaceful Kingdom, we hear the riveting stories of people struggling with their conscience around some of our society's most fundamental assumptions. It's an inspiring story of personal redemption, compassion, healing, and hope. And Peaceful Kingdom is described by many of its viewers as a life-changing experience. I give it five stars. It was definitely life-changing for me. Um, Uh, It's an amazing film. The good thing about it, I think uh, we should tell our listeners, is that um, it doesn't use like graphic uh, slaughterhouse scenes and stuff to get its point across. It's very, yeah, it's very it focused a on the, a lot of positive stories. things. Yeah, interviews with people. There's some minimal s- stuff like that, but it's it's very tastefully done as much as you can tastefully show. Talk about factory farming, slavery, and uh, it's safe for the kids, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, it's a family fun. Yeah, it's a tearjerker, but it's it's a but it's it's definitely it's like one of those good independent films, to. you know, that you go to and it really moves you. So we have another event at the uh, Forbes Library on yep. Sunday. Same place, different time. Sunday, November twentieth, um, at the Coolidge Museum, the Forbes Library, from one thirty p.m. to four p.m. Um, this film, The Witness, is um, how. How does a construction contractor from a tough Brooklyn neighborhood become an impassioned animal activist? How does he do it? How does he do it? In the award-winning documentary, The Witness, Eddie Lama explains how he feared and avoided animals for most of his life until the love of a kitten opened his heart, inspiring him to rescue abandoned animals, becomes a vegetarian, and ultimately brings his message of compassion to the streets of New York. With humor and sincerity, Eddie tells the story of his remarkable change in consciousness, sharing along the way some of the shocking realities of the meat and fur industries. Um, It's also being shown with a short film, The Making of a Turkey. Both Mm. of these films are sponsored by a grant from the Northampton Arts Council and are free and open to the public. Fresh local apples, hot mama's hummus, hungry ghost breads, and desserts from Evolution and Oh Sweet Mamas will be served. That's what um, I like about Northampton. We got hot mamas and sweet mamas. Mm, I know. It's, it's exciting. a good town to live in. It is exciting. Um, this film, another great film um, that we can attest to. Um, kind Done of, by the same uh, company, Tribe of Heart. Yeah, same company making the film. Um, and this is nice because it kind of, it brings you a character that you would not associate as being a vegetarian character. Kind I would of never like a, associate them like that. Associate. He's a tough New York City character. I wouldn't mess with him. No, you don't want he's to mess with Eddie Lama. He's a construction worker. Nope. Um, but he's he's a tough... He's he's one tough cookie. He's also cute, though. Yes, he's quite the attractive. The girls like him. He's yeah, the, the ladies like him. Um, but he's not somebody that you would normally like put in a box as a vegetarian, so it's kind of a, kind of a nice way to um, break the stereotype of, of what a vegetarian is. 
this again this Sunday from 1.30 to 4 p.m. Coolidge Museum um, at the Forb Library in Smith. All right. And you know what else we got in local news? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I know. (laughs) You're, I can tell. You're excited. It's like a dream come true. You're excited. Um, There's a new vegan vegetarian restaurant that has opened in Florence called Evolution. Go on. Oh, I will. Evolution is a new cafe bakery space at the intersection. Did you say a nude cafe? No, not nude. Not nude like we are. New. It's a new cafe bakery space at the intersection of Main and Chestnut Street in Florence. Right around the corner from Valley Free Radio, actually. Um, Star Drucker and Trish Overstreet, owners of the infamous Fire and Water Cafe, um, which used to be in downtown Northampton, have created a new great place for people to get awesome vegan food and chili out in a very, very cozy space. Oh Sweet Mama's Vegan Bakery is also operating out of the kitchen oh, and Mama. selling decadent vegan sweets. Your treats and are just the Star thing himself I plans eat. to have a reoccurring feature on, on our future vegan radio shows called From the Evolution Couch. And we'll I look thought it for- was from the vegan couch. It could be from both. Uh, uh, we'll look forward to that. And um, you can check our site notes for, for more information at www.veganradio.com. Is it open wicked late? It's open wicked early, actually. Oh. Um, the opposite of uh, Fire and Water, it's open um, Tuesday through Saturday at 7 in the morning. Well, Tuesday through Friday, 7 in the morning to 3.30-ish. And then on Saturday from 9 to 4. Well, this is it's just great news for vegans. It's very exciting. We've got we've got Bella's, we've got Haymarket. But now you've got now this we have new evolution. Cool it's almost place in totally vegan, and it's just great. It's, it's just great. And There's speaking, so many choices. There are. Speaking of vegan food, we've got a vegan dessert cooking class um, mm. put on by vegan activist Mary Lawrence, who runs a business called Well on Wheels which is a personal chef service that provides affordable vegetarian meals that are made from scratch. That's in northern Connecticut. Yep, northern Connecticut. They're preservative-free and customized and prepared just for you in your own home. All right. Um, Mary's teaching a class on dairy-free desserts Tuesday, November 29th at 7 p.m. in Enfield, Connecticut. This class will teach you how to make creamy, buttery treats with no dairy. It's pure decadence without the guilt, no cholesterol. Come sample such recipes at carrot, as carrot cake with caramel buttercream frosting, banana cream pie, which we all love, mm. and chocolate pudding. Oh. Um, the cost is pretty minimal. It's five bucks. And the event is also sponsored by Hope's Place Cancer Support Center, so you can't go wrong. That's um, great. Check out our show notes at www.veganradio.com for more info on Mary's cooking class and other events um, that we announced today on Vegan Radio. Yeah. Well, good for Mary. She's a great, great gal. I think that's it. I think that's, that's it? it for local, no- oh, local man. news. I think We're that's gonna it have for to go to the news. good stuff now. The good stuff. Are you ready? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> I think we already did the good stuff. Well, I'm Derek Goodwin, and this is Megan Shackleford, and you're listening to Vegan, Vegan Radio. This is Jerry Cook with the film Peaceable Kingdom. I'm a pro activist uh, who calls North Carolina home. I'm here in Massachusetts. And you are listening to Vegan Radio on WXOJ Northampton 103.3 FM and on the web at www.veganradio.com. Hi, we're back with the second half of our show. It's going to be a little different than what our uh, radio listeners heard. This is going to be a podcast-only version. Um, On October 22nd, Derek and I traveled to Boston 
to partake in the Boston Vegetarian Food Festival, um, where they have lots of free food samples and great speakers. They get about four to 5,000 people coming through on one day. And we were able to... It's crowded. It's extremely crowded. And we were able to um, interview newcomers, old-timers, eat lots of great vegan food, and just had a great time. Schmoozed with all the vegans, all the top-notch vegans. So we just have a series of brief interviews with a lot of different people that we met at the festival. Um, some of them are vendors, some of them are nonprofit organizations, and some of them are just people who came to check out the event. Tell oh, yeah. our listeners how lovely they are, Megan. Ooh, you're so lovely. We don't say that to our radio people, just to our <laughs> podcasters. They're so ahead of the curve. <laughs> Hi, this is Derek Goodwin, news correspondent for Vegan Radio. We're here at the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest, and we're getting the youth perspective. And we have a couple of young women here eating soy ice cream. Could you tell us your names and where you're from? I'm Amelia, and I'm from Boston. I'm Tessa, and I'm from Somerville. How old are you guys? Um, I'm about to be 13, and I'm going to be 12 soon. So what grades that put you in? Uh, sixth. I'm in sixth, too. And you guys go to school together? And uh, what is that you guys are eating? Uh, right now we're eating purely decadent soy ice cream, and I'm having the cherry nirvana. And I'm also having the cherry nirvana. So are you guys vegan or vegetarian? I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> yeah. So you eat real ice cream too? Yeah. Yes. And how do you think this compares? Um, it tastes pretty much the same. It's quite good. Yeah, it's delicious. I don't really taste the difference. No difference. So are you going to, from now on, stop eating dairy ice cream and just eat this? As much as I can, I guess, yeah. Probably. <laughs> I love Ben & Jerry's, so it's going to be hard transition. Maybe you could uh, write Ben & Jerry a letter and tell him you want a soy ice cream flavor. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> and how did you become vegetarian? Um, um, I actually became vegetarian from last year coming here. Because I saw one of the videos, and I'm a big animal lover, and so it made me upset, and then I have been a vegetarian ever since. <laughs> um, I was over at her house, and a PETA commercial came on, and I <laughs> kind of just decided from then that I would not eat meat because I was really about to vomit, and I really like animals, so, yeah. So how's, uh, what's your parents' reaction to that? Um, my parents are okay because my dad was a vegetarian for a lot of his life, and so was my mom. So, My sister was vegetarian before me, so we were already in the vegetarian lifestyle before that. Wow. And uh, any, any plans to go vegan in the near future? Um, I don't know. I've been thinking about it. I'm not sure if I could do without having, like, eggs and stuff, though. Yeah. I probably not now because my parents, like probably wouldn't let me because they're really concerned about my protein. Maybe you could ask your parents where they think uh, cows and elephants get their protein. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm very, very glad for you guys, and um, I hope when you get out of the house, you'll be able to become full-fledged vegans, and uh, maybe we'll see you here next year. Yep. Hopefully. Thank you. <laughs> Anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Um, don't eat meat. It's bad for you, and it's gross. <laughs> Be a vegetarian, it's good. <laughs>
This is Derek Goodwin, Vegan Radio. We're here at the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest with Satya Magazine. Uh, they have a little booth here. Could you guys tell us your name and where you're from? Uh, this is Eric Weiss, Marketing Manager at Satya Magazine, living in Brooklyn, New York. My name is Maureen Wise, and I'm the editorial intern, and I live in Brooklyn, New York as well. So that was Eric Weiss and Maureen Wise? No relation. Wow. Oh, and we have another person. Who is this? I'm Beth Gould. I'm the publisher of Satya. Publisher. That sounds important. So uh, someone want to give us a brief overview of what the magazine's about? Satya is a monthly magazine about vegetarianism, environmentalism, animal advocacy, and social justice. We've been publishing for about 10 years. And uh, Satya means truth in Sanskrit, and is the and the tenet Satyagraha is a word Gandhi often used to describe his campaign to end injustice through nonviolent social action. And I know you're out of New York City, um, and people also subscribe to the magazine. How big is your subscription? We actually offer really what I think are very low cost subscriptions. We offer them for only $20 a year for 10 issues or $35 for two years. And if anybody would like to subscribe, they can visit us online at www.satyamag.com. And uh, what is your latest issue about? Our latest issue that's coming out in November is actually about Hurricane Katrina and the relief efforts, but it, we're putting a different twist to it. We're, we're putting it to, like, the unheard voices. So we have really, really great interviews and articles from such organizations as the uh, LGBTQ down there, what sort of, like, gay and lesbian relief that's going on. We have African-American landowners that are just being completely displaced. And we have just a great smattering of animal rescues that are down there. I mean, not just the dogs and cats that you see on the news. We have factory farms. We have a lot of chicken coverage. It's, it's going to be a really, really great issue when it hits the stands because it's stuff that we're not seeing right now on mainstream press. Yeah, mainstream press is uh, pretty bad. And uh, we're lucky here in Northampton to have a uh, community radio station, Valley Free Radio. And that's how Vegan Radio was born. It's great to see someone doing this on the air. So kudos to you. I mean, that's great. Go Vegan Radio. All right. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say, Eric? No, I'd just like to thank you. Good luck. Continued good luck with this and with Veganica. And uh, definitely, please, uh, if you're interested, www.satyamag.com. Read it. My third year. Oh, my God, really? In a row. It's awesome. Yeah? Do you come just for the free food? Free food mostly, yeah. Good people. Friendliest yeah. people in Boston. Excellent. And uh, are you yourself a veggie? I'm a vegan. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't met too many here yet. And Ali's vegan, too, right over there. Excellent. And uh, how long have you been a vegan? I've been a vegan for three years and vegetarian for five. Wow. And was that a conscientious choice? Yes. Uh, I felt like it was inevitable, I guess, when I was vegetarian, and I just didn't know if I'd uh, have the willpower, but it's really not that bad. I'm at, I'm at Brandeis University. They're good for providing for vegans, so yeah. tons of good food there for, for me. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So what's your favorite thing here so far? Uh, the T-shirt's cool. The vegan radio. I'm going to wear it when I play with my band. Yeah, yeah. so far everyone loves vegan radio. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know why. No one's ever heard it before. No, I haven't, no. Like, what's your next destination here? Uh, I think I'm going to go back to the Cliff Bar table. They're giving away tons of Cliff Bars. I already got like 12, so. Yeah, they got a lot of new products out yeah. there. You want one? Yeah. I'd love one. Yeah, thank you. This is Megan Shackelford, vegan radio at the Boston Veg Fest. I'm here with Ben Schneider. I have a couple questions for you, Ben. Where are you from? 
I'm from Rhode Island. Are you a vegetarian? I have been vegetarian since 1981. Wow, that's a long time. What made you go vegetarian? Uh, when I was about four years old, which was way before that, uh, I was having sardines with my father, and I realized that they were like living creatures, and I didn't want to eat them. And then my parents said, uh, you got to eat them or you don't eat. So I had to wait till I could uh, defend myself. <laughs> so I waited till I was 13. That's a classic story with many of us, the parents. I'm, I'm vegan also. And uh, <clears throat> if you want to hear that story, uh, I read Diet for New America. And then I woke up one morning and I couldn't, couldn't bear to have milk or eggs or honey anymore. And How long have you been vegan for? Since uh, January 1992. It's, it's really, I mean, if you make an effort, it's not as difficult to, to stay healthy. What's the hardest thing, do you think, for people uh, adopting a vegetarian or vegan diet? Getting uh, over the old foods. It's like uh, getting over a drug addiction in a way it really is. You know, we're addicted to milk and cheese and pizza and ice cream, and there's some good substitutes, but still sometimes you crave the, uh, the heroin or whatever it is. What do you say to uh, meat eaters who uh, scoff at your uh, dietary choices? Oh, well, that's their choice. If you need to, to do that, then go ahead. Yeah, so what, what do you think the key is to kind of get people aware of the uh, dietary problems associated with meat and uh, those kinds of products? People have to find it on their own. You can't force them. You just have to take your time and, and do it in a good way and, and eat good food. Don't deny yourself. Like, when you, when you start denying yourself too much, it's like a rubber band. You stretch it too far, and you're going to rel relapse to your old diet, so... Find some good food and take your time and don't force yourself because it's a, it's a process. It's like getting over anything that's, that's bad for you. So is this your uh, first year at the festival here? Uh, I've been here since the second one. I think this is, what, the 10th? Uh, it might be the 9th. Uh, so uh, what's your favorite thing here at the show? Food samples are good. The speakers are good. Uh, the perennial Dr. Gregor and uh, interesting people and seeing how healthy everybody is. And so what do you think about the gun laws in Florida? <laughs> What, what is the gun law? <laughs> it's, uh, if you think someone is threatening you and you have a gun, you can use it to defend yourself even up to the point of deadly force. Jeb Bush and uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the guy, the Planet of the Apes? Charlton Heston. Yeah, Charlton Heston. I used to think he was a great guy, but then uh, you realize he's a total yahoo with the, the guns. He comes across as a caring person, but then, you know, hey, let's put a gun in everyone's house. You know, like, it's a little out of control. Like, how, how much of a threat could it be, like, uh, they cut you in line at the video store? Or well, I think the gun law in Florida is going to be a big win for the vegetarians, but we just don't know how yet. We're on a totally different thread now. So uh, what's your next stop at the show? I'm a Zen person, so the next stop is Nirvana. Well, this has been Megan Shackelford reporting for Vegan Radio at the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest. Okay, you just heard some interviews from the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest, uh, October 22nd, 2005, one of the biggest vegetarian events in North America. So, how'd you enjoy the festival, Megs? Um, I had a great time as usual. This was my fourth or fifth time, I believe, attending. And my focal point is always the food, as a lot of vegans. You're trying to project on other vegans so you don't feel so bad? <laughs> <laughs> I know that I know that food is usually a big thing for other vegans. And one of my favorites was the Maywa faux meat booth. Oh, the faux meat. Oh, yes. I think the faux meats are fun. I know a lot of 
well, non-vegetarians and vegetarians alike, you know, disagree and think that it's strange to have the faux meat Panda Garden in town. Panda Garden in Northampton? Yep, they have a whole separate vegetarian menu, and all their stuff comes from Maywa. It's just fun. It's kind of like, you know, you get to have certain kind of texture and taste that, you know, you had when you ate meat, but without any of the torture. Texture without torture on Vegan Radio. <laughs> Next interviews we're going to play for you are all from activists or nonprofit organizations. And here they are. Derek Goodwin here at Vegan Radio. We're at the uh, Massachusetts Animal Rights Coalition booth at the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest. And who are we talking to? My name is Helen Rayshik, and I'm the president of the Massachusetts Animal Rights Coalition. And we're a 501c3 nonprofit in the state of Massachusetts, working every day for animals and animal rights. We do everything from organizing letter writing campaigns to protests to leafleting to uh, testifying at state hearings for bills for farm animals, circus animals, trapping and hunting bills that come up from time to time. So we basically do everything from lobbying and legislature to on the street handing out leaflets and holding signs. We also provide support information to our members so that we create our own brochures or offer national brochures that we will get for people and give them to them, especially students and student groups, so that they can go out in their local areas and get the word out about what's happening to animals. Uh, what's the uh, big campaigns going on right now in Massachusetts? Right now we have a, a lot of things going on. We're working on a bill to ban foie gras, which is be a groundbreaking effort to actually ban a food product because of its cruelty. We have a ban pending to um, outlaw gestation crates for pigs and veal crates for dairy calves. We also have a circus bill to ban exotic animals coming into the state from circuses, many of whom are sick and abused. Uh, so there are a number of legislative efforts. Also, this is the biggest lab state in the country. We have more vivisection than any other state in the country, which is probably means we're the biggest in the world. So we have a huge campaign, and one of our biggest is against product testing and also to free the primates that are, are being experimented on at Harvard's Primate Research Center. So we do a lot of that. We have a campaign ongoing to try to help those primates. Are you also involved in trying to get dog racing banned? We are. We're, you know, helping our members work in that as well, working in the malls to collect signatures. And we work with Great 2K and the other groups. Uh, our main, you know, the most suffering is in the farm animals. So we kind of focus on those. Um, the most animals, 10 billion animals a year in the United States alone, and that doesn't count sea, sea creatures or fish. So it's a huge segment of the animal suffering that happens. So we focus mainly on food animals and lab animals, M millions, countless millions of lab animals. We, get, we don't even know how many. So those are our main focuses, but we also work on all the other issues as well. In fact, we helped shut down a puppy store called Wolf & Co. last year that had planned to expand into every mall in Massachusetts. They're now not only out of the state, but out of business totally. All right. 
out of business. Banned in Massachusetts. So where can uh, not so where can our uh, constituents, our listeners in Western Massachusetts, go to find out more of how they can help you guys? Um, one of our board members is uh, a resident of Western Mass, and we have numerous. Um, members of our group in Western Mass. And anybody can find us online at MassachusettsAnimalRights.com. Go to the website, there's a contact button. Just send us a message and we can get you joined up as a member. You guys have an email list that goes out every day too, right? We, can, we have options of getting a sort of a daily news digest or individual emails. Really user-friendly for people. Any last uh, words? We just want everybody to have a wonderful day. It's great to see so many people interested in helping animals here. This is Derek Goodwin for Vegan Radio. We're here at the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest and at the Great 2K booth. And uh, what is your name? My name is Christine Dorchak. Christine, could you tell us a little about uh, Great 2K and what you're doing over here? Well, Great 2K USA is a national organization working to end dog racing nationwide. In Massachusetts, we're participating in the campaign to pass the Dog Protection Act into law. We're here today gathering signatures from thousands of people who want to see the Dog Protection Act go before voters next year. Great. How many signatures do you have and how many do you have to go? We probably have half of what we need, so we've got a long way to go and only four more weeks to finish our task. But once we're on the ballot, we will ask voters to phase out greyhound racing and end this cruel industry. Now, this uh, came up a few years, about four years ago, or was there another There was another uh, referendum that didn't pass with the voters? Is that true? Question three was brought before voters in 2000, and unfortunately, the margin of loss was 51-49. Uh, so close. So do you have you have more hope for this time? Do you think people are more educated, or is there any um, hope that this time it'll work out better? When voters learn what is happening to greyhounds at Wonderland and Raynham Taunton Greyhound Parks, they will support the Dog Protection Act. Currently, state records show that nearly 500 dogs have been seriously injured while racing at these two tracks just in the last three calendar years. Dogs who suffered cardiac arrest, broken necks, broken bones, severed tails. This is not a fun sport for greyhounds in Massachusetts. And um, we're broadcasting live out of uh, Northampton, Massachusetts. Is there anywhere in our area that people can go to sign petitions or... Is there any other way that they can sign the petition? You need to sign a petition in person. It's a quasi-legal document and can't be signed online. If you'd like to join the team as a volunteer or you'd like a petition to be sent to you to sign, you can call my office, ask for Christine, at 617-666-3526. Great, and you can also get that information at veganradio.com. We'll have it online for you. Any other thing you'd like to say? I would just encourage Massachusetts voters who care about animals to sign this petition and then please go to the polls in November 2006 so that we can end greyhound racing in Massachusetts. Excellent. I'm going to sign it right now. Rolling on Vegan Radio, this is Derek Goodwin live at the Boston Vegetarian Food Festival. We're here with amazing Western Massachusetts activist Matt Kelly. 
every time I come to the Boston Vegetarian Food Festival, I see him here. So, Matt, how you been these days? Uh, well, no complaints. No complaints. Doing fine, and it's an awesome show, as usual. What's your organization out in the Berkshires these days? Well, we have an organization out there, a loose organization called the Berkshire Vegetarian Network. And uh, we try to do our best to educate the masses. Anything going on in the near future? Coming up in the fall, we're looking for uh, some type of a veggie gathering. Actually, at this point, we don't have something pegged down. But uh, when we do, we'll, we'll let you know about it and hope some folks can come on out. They're always a lot of fun. Well, you know, you can always turn to uh, Vegan Radio for your cutting-edge news in uh, western Massachusetts. Matt, you were uh, one of the most interesting things I know you did recently. You were on the boat, the Sea Shepherd, with uh, Captain Paul Watson. Captain Paul Watson. I should have known that. Could you tell us a little about what you were doing on the Sea Shepherd and uh, the history of that? Sea Shepherd organization was founded by Paul Watson, one of the original founders of Greenpeace, who left Greenpeace thinking that they're just not radical enough and that more direct action out there in the world is needed. There comes a time when phone calls and postcards just ain't doing it. So they need some folks on the front line. So that's what Sea Shepherd is all about in the area of marine protection. And I went on board on one of his Antarctic campaigns to face off with the Japanese whalers and stop the Japanese whalers from killing whales. It was a pretty awesome experience. I was on uh, the ship for three months and uh, the Japanese whalers knew where we were. They knew we were out there and I'm sure that we were tracked constantly because uh, they kept their distance from us the whole time and they wouldn't allow us to get near them because uh, I know there were lots of folks on board of our ship that would have liked to uh, had a run-in, uh, literally uh, run-in with our ship to their ship. Uh, right after that time, uh, well, after 9-11, they shut down all satellite uh, mapping and photos, so uh, we couldn't, we didn't have access. If we did, we would have been on their tail a lot better, but it was, a, it was a great experience, life experience, and I urge any listeners out there, if they have any inkling of an interest in environmental awareness or protection, to check out seashepherd.org on the web, and you can learn more. So uh, what's the big issue uh, you see coming up here in the first decade of the 21st century? Too many humans uh, is a problem. I mean, I'm, I, I love humans. I love all life, but uh, we're overpopulating the planet. And uh, we're eating it away, literally, and probably one of the best things that any of us can do for the planet, for other people, for the environment, for all animals, all life, is to go vegan. What is your next stop here at the show? Well, this is an awesome show. Boston is really the king of the veggie shows, I'll tell you. Just awesome. In life, you can have problems. We all have problems, but problems come in two flavors, good problems, bad problems. There's a problem here in the fact that it's so darn congested. It's hard to get through the aisles, check those delicious veggie food samples, and look at all this interest in literature. There's so many darn people clogging up the aisles that it's hard to move around. But think of it as a good problem. The place could be empty, on the other hand, but this shows what kind of interest and awareness is out there. So I think we're looking at a bigger show next year and the new years to come? I certainly would predict that, yes, indeed. And uh, uh, the, the speakers are awesome, too. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger just did an awesome presentation, and I'm going to go back to see him and uh, see Wayne Pacelli, the head dude from HSUS. Sounds great to talk to you. All right. Thanks a lot. And Vegan Radio, exciting concept. I wish you a tremendous success. I'll be listening in on the web. We're talking to Melissa Feldman from Circle of Compassion. Melissa, could you tell us a little about what Circle of Compassion is? Basically, I'm an activist who is looking for a way to make a contribution, and my way is I go into schools and I talk to kids about 
how our lives can be a reflection of peace and compassion for ourselves, other animals, other people, the environment. So every day we have a chance to make choices. So I just go in and we stir things up, talk about things, have kids figure out what's true for them and know what choices they can make. So how could, uh, if, if we had a school in Northampton or the air, local area that was interested in having you come uh, give a program, how would they go about doing that? Circleofcompassion.net. Email me there, check out the programs. I have a grant to do this, so I love to come into schools, and I start at sixth grade up, and we just uh, can, I can work with student groups like an animal rights group, an environmental group, gay lesbian group, whatever the kids are into, or with a science teacher, social studies teacher. Just check me out at uh, www.circleofcompassion.net, and we'll talk. Take it from there. Great. Anything else? One other thought. We have a chance to end greyhound racing in Massachusetts. So we're looking for signatures to um, get it on the ballot in November 2006. So if people are out there, they can contact Great 2K USA in Somerville. And um, we need signatures. We have four weeks left. And uh, hopefully we'll end greyhound racing very soon. Sign the petition. Don't go to greyhound tracks. <laughs> Adopt a greyhound. So uh, could you just tell our listeners a little about the Greyhound issue, what the complaint against the Greyhound tracks is? Great 2K USA is organizing this ballot initiative. We have two tracks in Massachusetts. Lots of concerns about how animals are treated, how injuries are handled, beyond even the fact that they're killed at such a young age and very few are able to go up for adoption because these are vast numbers of dogs who have to stop racing at age five. Young dogs, perfectly adoptable, but often they don't find their way to adoption. One of the worst things for me is that they live in a cage 20 hours a day, all alone. When people adopt greyhounds, and there's lots of ways to adopt greyhounds, checking on the web or with Great 2K USA, these dogs don't know anything about the world. They don't know steps, mirrors, microwaves, doorbells, toilet flushing. Everything is new to them. So it's a chance to uh, welcome them in to a different life. So uh, get them out of the cages, get them out of the racing world, and have them become um, part of someone's family. So. Greyhound racing is ending all over the country, state by state, track by track, and now it's Massachusetts time. We're ready to go. All right. We've got a cause. This is Vegan Radio, special podcast edition, and we have some ghoulish tales from the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest coming up so people. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Goodwin here, Vegan Radio, Boston Vegetarian Food Fest. Could you tell me your name and where you're from? Daniel Bowman-Simon from New York City. So what brings you out to Boston for the food fest? Well, I just came to look around. My brother lives up here, and he said, what do you want to do today? And I said, just remember that it will be raining, so try for something indoors, because we don't have the right rain gear. So this was on the Internet, and I'm a vegetarian, so this looked good. Try to be a vegan. Yeah, what's what's your uh, hold-up? Just people I live with. I don't buy non-vegan products, except yogurt sometimes, I have to admit. Just people I live around, it's it's hard to say no when someone else is cooking. Right, right. So what's your favorite part of this uh, event? I'm just so happy to see so many people here. I did not really expect it. Yeah, they get over uh, three or 4,000 people every year on, in one day. It's one of the biggest vegetarian events in the country. Yeah, and it's, it seems like a lot of people are just coming in off the street, seeing a lot of people leaving with a bunch of free stuff. Even if they're just coming to get free food, they're being exposed to good, healthy food, healthy for themselves, healthy for the animals and the planet. 
that makes me happy to be here. Yeah, that's a great thing about this event. It's uh, right in the middle of a big neighborhood, and we get a lot of people that might not be exposed normally. Megan would like to ask you a question. Do vegans taste best? Of course. <laughs> All right, well, thanks a lot. One more question. What's your favorite vegan food? Veganradio.com. <laughs> Good answer. Vegan radio. It's not just for breakfast. Derek Goodwin, Vegan Radio. Could you tell us your name and where you're from? I'm Pragnia, and I'm from Los Angeles, California. So what brings you out to uh, Boston this weekend? Um, well, I'm going to school here, and I just thought it, I'm vegetarian, so I just thought it would be nice to be in a place with a ton of other vegetarians. Yeah, it is nice. Are you missing the uh, L.A. weather yet? Yes, very much, especially today when it's raining and nasty. It's a good thing we're in here with some good food. What's your favorite part of the show so far? Well, other than this table, the, the ice cream tables. I love the ice cream stuff. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people come in with the uh, little purely decadent packages. Do you know what kind of ice cream it is? Uh, this one is chocolate, and then they had gelato, Italian-style ices at the Alpine Ice Table, which was really good, too. Very exotic flavors. So you're a vegetarian or a vegan? I'm a vegetarian. How do you think the soy ice cream measures up to the uh, dairy version? Well, you know, the Italian ices don't use dairy, so they tasted perfect. But um, these actually are really good. I'm impressed. Usually I don't like soy ice cream that much, but this stuff is good. Yeah, I think every year it gets a little better. The, uh, someday they're going to get the cheese there, too. Then no one will have an excuse anymore. How did you become vegetarian? How long have you been? I've been vegetarian since I was born. My father tried to get me to eat meat, but I've just hated it just because I don't like the idea of killing something to eat it for my nourishment. I mean, I am in a situation where I can choose. I'm not on a deserted island where I have to eat something. Did you ever go through a period of rebellion where you ate meat to make your parents upset? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, that's good. I always worried if I had a kid that they would do that to me. So It's good to know that's not the way it always happens. Could you say something nice about Vegan Radio? Yeah, Vegan Radio rocks. <laughs> Thank you. Derek Goodwin here at Boston Vegetarian Food Fest. Could you tell us your name and where you're from? I'm Shira, and I go to Simmons College in Boston. I'm from California, though. And what are you doing today at the Food Fest? Um, I'm helping out at the VRG, the Vegetarian Resource Group Station. And we're selling cookbooks and giving out the Vegetarian Journal. So are you a vegetarian or a vegan? I am. I'm a vegetarian. I've been since I was in third grade. That's great. What's your favorite part of the festival? Um, I guess all the free food. They have some pretty delicious vegetarian foods and vegan foods. So it's definitely a great place to get some yummies. <laughs> Any highlights uh, as far as the food is concerned? Oh, gosh. Um, I just had a really good vegan cupcake from Hippie Chick Bakery. Hippie Chick Bakery in Massachusetts. <laughs> What are you studying in school? I study nutrition. So you're going to promote vegetarianism? Yes, exactly. As long as you get enough protein from other sources, it's definitely a healthier lifestyle. Well, you look very healthy. Could you tell us why the chicken crossed the road? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Can you tell me? All right, we're here at the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest, and we have two ghoulish-looking women here ready for Halloween. Could you guys tell me your names and where you're from? Yeah, my name is Cordelia, and I live in Cambridge. My name is Carrie, and I live in Boston. So uh, are you guys celebrating Halloween early? Uh, not quite. Actually, today there was a zombie march. Um, 
from South Station all through Boston. Just like I think there were about a hundred zombies. We were actually late. We slept in, but we decided to get dressed up anyway because we wanted to so badly. And we're going to a zombie party later this evening. You'd be surprised the reactions that we get. Everything from adoration to complete horror. Yeah. I think I have a mixture of both. So, are you like blood-sucking ghouls or are you vegetarian ghouls? Oh, we're totally vegetarian. Yeah, we only suck the blood of vegetables. What's your favorite um, victim in the vegetable kingdom? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Because yeah. you know, there's that little consistency, yeah. the juiciness. You like the juiciness. <laughs> I kind of like pomegranate seeds too. So you like you like fruits that are kind of red and, and juicy. So it's kind of like blood. But we don't want to have to kill anything to get our food. It's kind of like eating that vegan um, jerky that I had for the first time here. It was weird. It's like brains. Yeah, I'm waiting for him to come out with vegan blood so that we can uh, get more zombies to go vegan. There's not a lot of us vegan zombies. <laughs> so. How long have you been vegetarian? Um, I was raised vegetarian. I grew up at an organic farm. I actually started eating meat for a while, but I realized that it was stupid and horrible. Was that a rebellion against your parents? It was indeed. But your parents were right. I know. I appreciate that now. They're pretty cool folks. And how about you? Probably about eight years since I was in sixth grade. I just thought it was really gross and horrible. And I had pets, and I couldn't imagine eating them, so I didn't want to eat any other animals. So I just refused meat. I think I think it's really great that uh, dead people can be vegetarian too, because you know I was worried about the afterlife and uh, what the options would be. Have you have you found it harder finding vegetarian food since you've been undead? Oh yeah, it's really hard, especially since I mean the most of us zombies the living is, is brain. Yeah, living people. No. So it's hard to try to get by, but we're making it. Well, thank you very much for being on Vegan Radio. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Vegan Radio, it's better than being dead. So that brings us to the end of our show. Um, please what a tune. Great show it was. It was a miraculous show. Please tune in next week because we have a special edition Thanksgiving show next Wednesday at 8 a.m. We are going to be traveling to Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen where we will interview people who live and work at the farm as well as attendees of the alternative Thanksgiving potluck that is at the Farm Sanctuary. I call that the celebration for the turkeys. You know you're Jones in for tofu. The celebration for the turkeys is at uh, New York Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen. It's on Saturday, this Saturday the 19th at noon. There's a potluck and at 2.30 you can go feed the turkeys with some pumpkins and some squash and some cranberries and they bring them out on a silver tray and the little turkeys are so happy. They come peck stuff right out of your hands. Turkeys are really good people. You really shouldn't eat them if you are and if you're not. God bless you. Even if you don't believe in God. Bless yourself. Bless, bless, bless yourself. Bless yourself. Thanks for listening to Vegan Radio at www.veganradio.com. Vegan Radio. Vegan Radio.